Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. This is episode 156 of our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the kinky cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we bring you another chapter in our mentor series with D20 Dom on BDSM 101. What do I do next? Here's your hosts, Woody and the Beast. Thanks, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. Sitting next to me is the Beast. Hey, man, it's cold out there. Oh, it's cold and it's not getting any warmer. It's on its way down. I actually saw a flurry. Ooh. One. One. It gave me great hope. What, that there's going to be more? There's going to be more. Yes. Well, there... And they'll cancel school and I'll be a happy camper and Yay. all sorts of things. But all no. Right. Anyway. Uh, Woody, we got a new thing here. Yeah. In, uh, this mentor series. The mentor series we dreamed up over several beers to help people that are new to the lifestyle and they're trying to figure out where their kink is. And so we're going to uh, do a series of shows that guide them, or misguide them in this case, into uh, where the kinky people are. Sounds like an award-winning ideal here. Well, let's give it a try. And so we brought some friends along to help. I mean, we are dangerous people. I do eat women, literally. For lunch. For lunch, dinner, breakfast, before breakfast. Well, see how you are? Yeah. If they just lay there, I'm going to take advantage of it. Woody, we have with us tonight D20 and Lucky Puppy. Hello. Hi, Rudy. From the beautiful city of Washington, D.C. Well. I don't know how beautiful it is, but yeah. Uh, I will hold hold judgment still. <laughs> I am holding judgment to at least June. Well, you see, we have now kinky friends in Washington and they can fix things for us. Yeah, we'll write congressmen. Yeah. See, it's good to have somebody there. Uh, I think, well, I have other ideas on what to do with congressmen. Me too. But that's beside the point. Well, That's a different podcast. It involves naked women and video cameras, or naked boys and video cameras. Yeah. Oh, that's different than what I was thinking. (laughs) You were. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, back on the track Back on the track. Yeah. All right. You find out one night that you're kinky for some reason, and all of a sudden you go, I want to go find some of these weirdos like me. So what would you do, D20? First, I would refer to them as Mrs. Weirdo before you just jump out there calling them all kinds of names. But seriously, it's it's not as scary as I think books and movies and other forms of media might make you think BDSM is. Um, I know when I first got into the scene and I wanted to meet people online, one of the things a lot of guys told me is that they were afraid to meet me because they thought I was going to show up at the Ruby Tuesday or the Starbucks dressed completely in leather with a whip. (laughs) I think it's a very real thing in people's mind who have never met other kinky people that you're going to be easily identifiable as kinky. So I would suggest getting out and going to munches and happy hours and things like that. You are shattering, shattering many people's fantasy lives here. I know, I know. 
I mean, you don't parade around in in six inch stilettos all the time and uh, with a with a dungeon you know, underneath your castle. You no, know, it's hard to drive to meet people in those things. So I usually reserve the stilettos for the dungeons. Um, it, it is one of those things though, where if you you don't know what to expect, you are going to expect the worst. And if you are new, something like a munch sounds like something scary. You don't know if that means. You have no idea what that means. It's just a kinky get-together where people are going to sit down and eat and have drinks and be pretty normal with probably a little bit of kinky talk thrown in. Well, there's people just like us there. Least and I, we put on our leather pants one leg at a time. Mm-hmm. Crotchless panties and all. I do the farming thing. <laughs> you just jump, jump in. Right in jump, jump right in. <laughs> okay. I think that term munch is one that I don't know any other community that uses that term. It was coined in Palo Alto as the Burger Munch uh, near Stanford University. Mm-hmm. And that's where the first one was held, and it uh, caught on uh, literally worldwide. It's kind of like a code as well now. If someone says, do you go to munches, you know that person knows what a munch is, and that's kind of a easy, low-key way to identify another kinkster. It's like a secret handshake. And, yeah. And other kinksters are everywhere now. Mm-hmm. About 20% of the population. Wow. Wow. So, so, well, I think it's even higher, Woody. It is higher <laughs> depending on if you say, have you ever had sex with a blindfold or your hands tied? It goes much higher. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, oh, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. There is a lot of kinky people out there. Maybe not a lot that's going to join the community, but a lot with these uh, interest and desires and hungers. and It goes from interest and desires to more of, of a spectator. I want to find out more about them. And that's kind of where we're talking about now is once you've identified that you have an interest, then what? Um, I know for me personally, I was on the outskirts of the scene for many, many years. Um, I, I knew I was kinky from a young age, but it took me a long time before I actually went out and met anybody. So when I met D20 was one of the first people who I'd actually met in the scene. So I think having that person there to guide you through and help you is really, really important. If you can find someone, I think that's a massive help. D20 and Lucky Puppy, what do you think of resources online such as FET and so forth to make those first connections? Good, bad? At first, I really didn't like FET Life, I, but now I describe it to everyone as kinky Facebook. Um, it's kind of the go-to place for any kinky happenings, um, the forms, if you want to lurk without anyone know knowing that you're lurking, it's a safe space to come and see things without necessarily being seen. I think it's good for people who are unsure, want to find things out, but maybe aren't at the level where they want to attend munches and happy hours and things like that. It can give them a lot of information from real people who are actually doing BDSM in real time so that they can see that it isn't so scary and they can read about things that happen to them and then end up seeing the happy hours and the munches and see like, you know what, maybe this isn't as scary as I thought it was. So I, I actually do really like Fat Life now. I think it's a great resource. I tell pretty much every new person I meet to join it. I mean, we met on on a, one of these sort of type of sites. So, you know, I mean, you, you can definitely find people on there. Um, it's just about, you know, trying to find the right people and trying to be picky and finding the right people for you and not just, you know, trying to talk to everyone on there. But you got to meet people to decide what the right people are. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and the right yeah. people has a lot to do with who you are and what your role is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
you you absolutely it sounds silly and basic to say that after you know before you do anything you want to figure out where your role is in the scene um and it's not something that you have to stick with the entire time you're in the scene or even the next week but it can give you a good footing for where you want to start and deciding which side of the paddle you want to be on if you want to be a top or bottom or switch or something in between there can help you sort of find the people who you want to interact with or the types of things that you want to read about. You you use some some terms there that I think we need to illuminate a little more in the community, tops and bottoms, instead of masters and slaves. Sure. The masters and slaves are have a certain uh, connotation inside the community, mm-hmm. and they will automatically, some people will have an automatic reaction to you using the term master. And not a good one. And not sure. a good one. So I think that uh, using the terms tops and bottoms and understanding what those terms mean are, are some research that people should do on mm-hmm. the front end. I space it out like that and say tops, bottoms, and switches because I kind of feel like most roles fit into one of those three categories. No matter what it is, it's going to have some sort of connotation of a top, a bottom, or a switch to it. And once you find out where your role fits within one of those um, sort of categories, you're able to explore that a little bit deeper. You can boil it down a little bit as uh, top, bottom, and switch is like dating. Dominant, submissive, and master and slave are like relationships. Kind of, yeah. It definitely makes sense. We do have some some things that people need to take care of. Safety. Safety is paramount. Yes, absolutely. I mean, this is not just in the kink community. This is any dating or social networking. You do have some predatory sorts out there. I don't care if it's your church social. You have some people to look out for. So what are some tips for staying safe? in this uh, process? I think most people under a certain age now have met someone or a group of people off of line at some point. There's so many different ways to interact with people online. It's kind of second nature for people to meet people outside of the internet now, but you do want to try and be safe. You do want to pick somewhere public to meet the first time if possible. You don't want to meet someone alone. You don't want to meet someone where you've never been before. Pick somewhere you're familiar with. And I always tell people when I first meet them, what's your safe word? And they go, I haven't played yet. I don't I don't know. What is that? What does that mean? And that's literally just an all stop code that means just stop everything. I hear people say that at munches and things when they like don't want to be touched or hugged or things like that. Um, it's just a way to tell people I'm not comfortable right now. Please stop. I think it's important to uh, to you know speak with the person on the phone before trying to see him on webcam something like that. You know if you are meeting someone offline, just make sure you know who it is you're meeting. You know don't go and meet a total stranger and you know also always tell someone where you're going. Let, let people know who that you know you are meeting this person just to maximize things and make sure that you know that safety is. Is paramount. Let me underline that. That is so critical because we are playing with knives and rope and implements that can inflict a lot of damage. If you don't feel safe as a bottom, I'm talking, be careful. You don't dive into something even though your hormones are raging and your endorphins are already hopped up. Check out who you're going to play with. Talk to community members and find out if the person is safe. Simple little things like respecting the safe word. 
you know, you can have a safe word. You, can, you know, the, the standard safe words are red and things like that. And if you say red and they go, I don't do safe words. If somebody ever yeah. says that to you. That's somebody you don't want to play with. Run. Get away. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I know people who have been play partners for decades and they still have a safe word. It doesn't matter how safe we try to be in BDSM. We are doing very unsafe things. So the best thing you can do is have a safe word. You can just be a little bit off one night and something isn't going for you. And you you have to stop it. And there's another thing about mean people. We get our hormones get fired up. We get these fantasies. And some people are very good at weaving the illusions and the fantasies. Sanity. Ah, sanity. Sanity and drama. There is no sanity clause. (laughs) Sorry. I I, I just hit them for you all. Okay. Okay. Uh, Yeah, you do need to get to know the person a little bit, find out where they're coming from and so forth before you get too wrapped up in this. But you are looking to meet people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're looking to make some key connections, aren't you? People that that, that can become uh, resources for you. Absolutely. And this is where having a plan for your short term kinky journey can come in handy. Um, I always tell people it's kind of like crawling before you're spanking in BDSM. You want to work your way up from the munches and the happy hours to play parties, classes, demos, then the dungeons and then the real large scale events. What about private play? Personally, I don't ever, ever private play with anyone I meet for the first time. That's just a rule of mine because, um, like the beast said, you are hopped up on hormones. You're kind of in a frenzy, so to speak. Everything's rose-colored. And it might not be that way the next time you meet or the next couple of times you meet. It, it helps to take to get to know someone before you jump into BDSM with them. And I really want to underline what you're saying, and that, that's why I brought it up. We have some people that uh, do play on the more extreme end and some people that play on the more calm end. And where each individual finds themselves is something that takes some time to discover. I think we all have met uh, some players since we've been around the scenes for a while that have taken advantage of new players mm-hmm. and, and either hurt them or scared them to the point where they don't come back into the community anymore. Absolutely. I see. We see that happen a lot. We live in a very transient area. So we get a lot of new people who are coming in and for whatever, you know, whatever the reasons are, they're new, they want to come out, they want to enjoy things. And we absolutely have predators within our local BDSM community that make it unsafe for new people who haven't made a plan and haven't sort of found their footing or, you know, found someone that they can connect with on a friendly level to help guide them through the scene here. I mean, um, we've been told that we play sort of fairly extreme by some some people. Yeah, we're considered, we would be considered, I guess, edge players in our scene. So I know when I meet people who just see me play with Lucky Puppy and they think what we've done is cool or hot or whatever, they say, well, I want to play with you. Will you play with me tonight? And I usually say no. I'd like to talk to you and get to know you before I play with you. Uh, The things that him and I do, people see me choking him out and things like that. I wouldn't do that to someone that I just met or someone that I just started talking to. Yeah, it definitely sort of takes time to to build up to that sort of level. And, you know, it's definitely much easier when, when you really do trust the person, you do know them and, you know, it makes it a lot easier. One of the huge questions is medical. 
if you are Oops. meeting somebody for the first time, you don't know what their medical history is. No. Nope. You could actually kill them by accident because they had something that you set off. Absolutely. You don't know you don't know their allergies. People are allergic to leather and latex and some people can't be touched in certain places or they can't be on their knees for a certain amount of time or they have back issues that you might not know about when you're doing rope on them. There are so many monumental things that could go wrong that can be prevented by having a small conversation about your medical history, your safety, your limits, things like that. And at this point, I'll take a time out and remind newbies, don't be overwhelmed by all of this. BDSM can be pursued in perfectly safe and sane ways. May I say bite size? <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you take it in bite size segments. Yeah, you don't have to do this all. Obviously, this isn't something that you would do all in a day, a week, or a month. It's going to take time. I've been in the scene for over 10 years. Lucky Puppy's been in the scene for about a year and a half now. Uh, but he did a lot of the steps that we're talking about on his own before he did come into the actual community. He did find his role. He did make a plan. He did, you know, go out and to munches and things like that and meet people privately. So um, he sort of did his research before he jumped into the scene as well. And your next bit of advice in this is what? Look out for a mentor. Absolutely. I wouldn't be where I was in the scene if I didn't have a mentor when I first came in. I was, just like the beast said, I was totally overwhelmed. I only got into BDSM because I was writing a paper on alternative lifestyles, went to a dungeon by myself, which wasn't advisable, um, to sort of meet people up close and personal and got freaked out immediately. Um, I went to like a, a dungeon night at a club and I didn't know anyone there. Obviously, I didn't look like I knew what I was doing there. And there was a woman who came and approached me and she said, sweetie, you look like a lost little lamb. Let me guide you. And she did do that for the next year and a half. So Historydale has a scholarly pursuit and and it struck a chord with you. Yes, immediately. Immediately, I was like, this is probably where I belong. The purpose of a mentor cannot be over overstated. But that is a very personal relationship that's got to click. Right. You can't force it. No, just because you're impressed by someone or you like the kind of play they do or you think they look cute or any other reason in your mind, you think, hey, I want that person to be my mentor. That doesn't necessarily mean that person wants to be your mentor, has the time, the effort. They might not feel comfortable showing someone else the scene. They might actually be not much newer than yourself. You don't know because you haven't approached them. So um, just because you want someone to be your mentor doesn't mean they're going to be able to be your mentor. And, and let's be clear on this. Mentors are not intimate relationships in a physical sense. No, no, it's not anyone you're obligated to play with or do anything with. Um, it's literally like having someone show you around at a new school. They're going to take you around. They're going to show you the classes. They're going to tell you who the teachers are. They're going to introduce you to other students. And this is all a metaphor, but it's literally someone you feel safe with who's going to show you around and not take advantage of you and not sort of make you feel like you owe them anything for them showing you how things work. I do think, though, that within our relationship, D20 did, in a way, take on the role of a mentor for me. So whilst we were playing together, she was also teaching me a lot at the same time. You know, she took me to my first event and those sort of things. So I think that whilst it doesn't it doesn't have to be an intimate relationship, I think that if you are in that relationship with somebody and they do have more experience than you, then they could definitely sort of, in a way, be, be a mentor to you. It can evolve there. 
your your partner often for many people can be a great resource, particularly if there's an experience gap there. Uh, even the bottom can help a new top mm-hmm. find their footing because the bottom knows a lot about topping. <laughs> or should know a lot yeah, about topping. Yeah, they should. And uh, I find actually find that a lot when I end up talking to other kinksters. I find out that uh, one partner is usually fairly more experienced than the other, whether that is the top or the bottom. It just happens to pan out that way. And I think that is sort of just indicative of finding a mentor. They don't they might necessarily have been seeking a mentor out specifically, but they have found one in the play partner that they're with. Everything can be great because you're sharing some great experiences and making some great memories along the way. Mm-hmm. We just hit upon something. Play partners. Now, play partners. We have come into this with fantasies and hormones raging and usually want to do things with people, do bad things with people. Or have bad things. Bad things with good people. Yeah. Do wonderful things to everybody. <laughs> From your experience and observation, how quickly can you expect to find a connection with somebody that leads to a physical exploration? That's just like dating. That's just like online dating. Obviously, if you're a female coming into the scene, you're going to have a lot more options. It might be a question over uh, quantity, over quality. So you do want to be picky with who you're deciding to uh, play with, whether that's for the first time or the 10th time. You don't want to ease up on what your ideals are and what you know, you're expecting. You don't want to be lax on that. You want to find someone who you do click with who has the sort of same kinky interest that you have as well. I think it's definitely true that what you say that um, if you are a female, you're going to have more options. And I think for a guy, some if you know if I could give some some advice, it'd be to have if you're on FetLife looking on there, have your profile filled out. You get a lot of messages, don't you, from people with just these blank profiles and yeah, it's, 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 or a know, penis picture. Don't have a yeah. don't have a penis as your picture for your profile because I know what a penis looks like. <laughs> I'm more curious what you look like or what's something that you find interesting to show me that's not your penis. I think finding a play partner in BDSM is maybe a touch harder than finding someone in uh, traditional dating because Mm -hmm. it does require a whole different level of trust to let someone choke you or tie you up or, you know, bound you for a certain amount of time. That is something that is going to require a whole different set of rules that you might not have experienced before. So it is going to take some time. Don't get frustrated. You're going to meet people who on the surface you seem like you click with immediately. And then upon talking further, you realize that you guys aren't lining up and that's not the end of the world. You'll find someone. Use the trust word, the T word. -word. Now think about this. If you're new and you're coming into the scene, find somebody that has a bit of experience somebody kind of mentor-like but is willing to play with you and that has a reputation of trustworthiness. And then, you know, go out and do a scene or two and, and, you know, get on the horse and ride a little bit. At that point, you can then say, yeah, that worked pretty well. And then you can look around and find somebody that's pretty hot and see how they play and go, yeah, I could do some of that. Yeah, I like to call them practice play partners. Exactly, yes. <laughs> Test drive. I think when you are sort of talking to these people who are claiming to have all this experience, always ask for a reference. You know, if people have been in the scene for 10, 15 years, whatever, you know, they should have somebody who you, know, you could talk to and they can say, yeah, you know, I've met this guy, I've played with this guy. I saw, you know, you know, when we met, 
D20 was happy to give me a couple of people to talk to that she'd played with in, in the past. So I think it's important. Puppy, that's really critical. Who do you ask? I mean, I know D20. I mean, I think it's, it's different for everybody, but, I mean, you've got people that you've played with in the past. Yeah, I'm much – I'm to... not – too proud to say i'm much more popular than he is so i had a lot of references whereas he only had one reference and it was kind of like an an ex-mistress sort of thing so it wasn't really feasible for me to reach out to this woman things where i tell people trust your judgment trust your gut if you meet someone and you feel like oh this is off this doesn't feel right don't do it there's nothing worse than looking back and going i knew i shouldn't have played with this person i had a bad feeling there is something that, that the new people coming in kind of have a little problem sometimes wrapping their head around. Play is a semi-intimate activity. Depends yes. on how you do it. We preach to do it with people, a variety of people, when you first arrive. Uh, and that runs contrary to our society at times of being, you know, a very stickler with who you share your body and your passions with. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that most people probably find appealing about BDSM. They might not realize it, but it does allow you to be a, a lot more open. I can go to a club and do things with Lucky Puppy and then have four or five other people come up and want to either be taught a knot so I get to tie them up or um, they want me to show them a certain instrument that we have so I get to use it on them or they get to use it on a partner. Um, it's really all about how you want to approach it, but pretty much everyone in the scene is pretty friendly and willing to show you things because we were all all new at some point so we're happy to share our knowledge even woody and i were new at some point <laughs> yes but i can't remember when I can't remember it yeah i can barely remember my first play party <laughs> it's dim and foggy in my memory you've got play 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 partners you have you've established some relationships you have found a source of like-minded people so now you're ready to just jump in, right? Absolutely not. Oh, I mean, it sounds, it sounds wow. like you are. It, it does sound like you are. You've, you're lining all your ducks up in a row, ready to spank, but you really need to make sure those ducks want to be spanked. So you need to establish some boundaries between you and the lucky person you're getting to play with. Um, you need to find out if they only want to play for a certain amount of time. You need to find out if they are okay being uh, a certain type of role for you or if you want to be a certain type of role for them. Um, this is kind of what we were talking about earlier when we were saying you need to negotiate things. Um, you want to find out if they have other partners there, if they're, if you have other partners, if that's okay with you guys playing. There's a lot of things that need to happen before you can actually play, and that's where the negotiation and the boundaries come in. Yes, negotiations, uh, often over overlooked, but very important. And first couple of times you do it, it comes in handy to have those friends you've been making sit mm -hmm. in with you or near you to make sure you're getting communicating. That's an excellent, excellent thing. The very first four or five times I played, my mentor sat with me and I kind of was like, get away, mom, I can do it. But I was actually very happy um, to have her there because when I did negotiate one of my first times, I did not ask the question that Woody was talking about, which is, do you have any health problems? I kind of was just rushing through it like, yeah, okay, let's get to the good parts. And then she was like, uh, um, and I was like, oh, yeah, do you have any health things? Like, yeah, actually, I do. Oh. 
So, so it's very good if you do have that mentor, you do have that friend, um, and they have lots of sheets online that you can look on Google and print out for boundaries and negotiations or BDSM play. Right on the Kinky Cast homepage under the Tools tab is a scene negotiating form. Amazing. It sounds daunting, but it's really not. It becomes second nature once you do it a couple times. It's not, it's very informal. It's going to seem formal at first. Everyone is used to it. And if someone stops you and says, I don't want to do this, then that's not someone you want to play with. This goes back to the safe word. This is you having your checks and balances for play. Because again, it is it is a dangerous thing to do with someone, especially a new person. And tops, you do not have to play with just any bottom that approaches you or agree to anybody else's terms. Use the dipstick for a sanity check. (laughs) Oh, uh never mind. Never mind. (laughs) You sound like you're ready to play. Did you just play now? No, not yet. Oh, in that whole thing of boundaries and negotiations, I hope that you didn't forget what I like to call is the cherry on top of all play, which is aftercare. This comes after, right? Yeah, it comes after, but you have to discuss it before. Um, it's it's exactly what it sounds like. It's the thing you need after you play. It's aftercare. It's whether you want to be cuddled or left alone or be brought candy or a blanket or snuggles or anything else that works for you after you've had a scene in playing with someone. And if you've never played with someone before, if this is your first time, you can absolutely ask the other person, what do you like for aftercare? And see if some of that resounds with you. And always take water. Always take yes, water. Absolutely. And you might want to throw in there uh, with the aftercare, the follow-up care the next day or mm-hmm. a few days later, particularly with new people. This is yes. a this is an experience, and how you process it overnight or a couple of days out can be radically different. The term different. is a drop. Yeah, it's kind of like sleeping with somebody on a on a first date, or or you know you don't want to make them feel like it was a one night stand. Even if you do only play once, you don't want that person to feel discarded. I like just writing a message a day after and saying, "Hey, just checking on you, making sure you're okay, and I had fun playing. Here's the thing I like about it. Let me know if you had any concerns or if you know what you want to talk further." And I let it go from there. Second thoughts. Yeah. Now we've got everything covered. Can we get naked now? Yeah, you're comfortable with that. Okay. Well, Woody, uh, <laughs> put Woody, your clothes back uh, on. <laughs> Woody's not comfortable with that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm offended. Uh, he should be offended. You've done this moment. You're crossing the boundaries, and the magic is occurring. Thing comes to the end, and the aftercare. Hopefully, everything is even better than you fantasized, right? Hope so. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. And just uh, sort of rinse, repeat, do it again. Don't be afraid to kind of explore new things. Go to, you know, a different event that you might not have thought you had an interest in. Or if you're not sure you understand, it might be just nice to educate yourself on a topic you don't know much about. Let me say a few words about under the influence. After a scene, you don't have to go to full subspace, but you can be high on endorphins. Absolutely. And when you go driving after that, (laughs) I insisted that I follow her home because she was not fit to drive. And I made sure the next time I played with her that I picked her up and delivered her home because that drive home was hair-raising and she was all over the road. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, we were, we just took a class about that. We took a, a punching class and it was, you know, a good point brought up that if you are doing something like impact play, you need to think that the other person is going to have to get home somehow. And that's either driving or being on a you know, public transportation, they might not be able to lift their limbs the way they were on the way there. So driving might be difficult for them and things like that. And and you have endorphin soup going on in your veins. Yeah. So you think you're cool, but you're, you're not, you're totally not cool. It's 10 o'clock on a Saturday night in your local dungeon. You've had this great play and everything's tidied up and it's time to play again, right? Oh, absolutely not. I would probably wait a little bit. I try not to do back-to-back play. You will exhaust yourself out completely. You're just ruining my fantasies and my (laughs) desires here. I will let you keep writing those fantasies, though. Okay, thank you. He's enjoying One of the great things about going going to a dungeon is you can sit and watch and you can talk to people. So, you know, you don't need to be doing stuff every minute you're there. You know, I think... We you know we often just sit and and talk and have a chat and just watch watch some scenes and you know get some strength back before bring out the again. voyeur in you. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Exactly. Or you can you can definitely be inspired by other people's scenes. Absolutely, on. learn something. Educated and inspired for sure. Any closing comments? D twenty, lucky puppy. Um, I always tell everyone I've been in the scene for a while and I still find myself learning new things every time I go out, every time I talk to new people, every time I go to new classes or demos. I think if anyone tells you that they know everything about BDSM, run the opposite direction. If they know everything, then what the hell are they doing here? Because I want that book. That is so true. I learned so much in going to the different classes. I was lucky enough to have some of my time in the San Francisco Bay Area where there is literally a class every night. Every night, every night, yeah. We went there this summer and uh, we went to the coffee shop and just amazing, you know, information, demos, people. It's all there. It's all waiting for you. There's people in FetLife. There's people in your community. There's people everywhere. You just have to find them and, you know, not be so scared to go out and meet them. And go and ask. You'll never find out anything unless you ask. You won't. And what's the worst that's going to happen, though? They won't know what a munch is, and you'll find another place to go. If you have a play space in your area, email, call, find out what's going on, uh, recommend for uh, introductions to the play space. Sometimes they tie that to a munch. And so you get to meet like-minded newbies and all go and tour together and you can all hold hands. And Yeah, they love showing you people around. Yeah. And it's not it's not embarrassing. I'm experienced, but I go to new clubs all the time where I need to be shown the layout because I haven't been there before. I don't know what equipment they have. So people seeing me might not know I'm experienced. They might think I'm a newbie. And really, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that you're being safe and sane and you're happy and you're having a good time. Check your ego at the door. Absolutely. Woody, I'd like to plug one of our prior episodes right now. Go for it. Findamunch.com. Yep. It's a great resource. If you're in Timbuktu or somewhere beyond Timbuktu, they probably have already the munch listed for you. It is a worldwide resource. Awesome. Findamunch.com. Mm-hmm. And there's an episode. Go to the Kinky Cast uh, homepage in the search engine. Type Find a Munch, and you'll go right to the episode. You can hear all about it right from the person who manages the site. And ironically, her name is Joy Spreader. <laughs> <laughs> and she is. She is. 
Well, we want to thank you both for coming on the cast again. Thank you so much for having us. You're veterans of the cast, and we really do appreciate that. We would love to come back anytime. We we love yelling at newbies and telling them how to do BDSM, or at least not to be scared of it. Well, the uh, the mentor series is just for those people, and and it's also for the people that have been around a little bit too. That just want a little refresher. yeah, new refreshers. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I'm sure you're going to come back with another version of this that we can get some more information. Anytime. Thank you so much for having us. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. You have been listening to episode 156 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our Kinky crew, I'm Max. See you next week when we bring you Laura the Moon, sex work and the issues around it.